This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of 91. The value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. In South Africa, 91 is an authorised financial services provider. I received a piece entitled the following, Thriving in an Income Desert. The author of this piece was John Stockford, Head of Multi-Asset Income at 91 in London. John, I'm just going to read the first few sentences. It says here, Income is the dominant driver of most asset class returns over the long run. For some asset classes, such as high-yield corporate bonds, the income received can even exceed the total return due to a portion of capital being lost to defaults. And you go on to say, Even for equities, reinvested dividends are typically responsible for more than half of cumulative total returns over time. Moving on to the second paragraph is the following. Given the importance of income, the decline in yields on most asset classes since the GFC, the global financial crisis that is, and the further fall during the COVID crisis appears to bode ill for future return potential. Yeah, you paint a sort of a rather gloomy picture at the beginning, but I think there may be oases of income in the remainder of this conversation. But just maybe describe what has happened since the GFC, since 2008. Well, we've gone through a world where central banks have essentially um, tried to solve all the economic ills of the world by increasingly um, aggressive policies, so lowering interest rates to zero or even negative levels, expanding their balance sheets and pushing down uh, government bond yields. Um, so far, that hasn't been successful. But it, what it has meant is the yields on those particularly uh, defensive assets or safe assets um, are low in absolute terms and negative in real terms. You say one definition of madness is repeating the same action but expecting a different result. That hasn't stopped, though, you go on to say, policymakers from believing that looser policy will eventually generate higher growth and inflation. For this strategy to work, they now believe that low interest rates and QE, quantitative easing, will probably be needed for the foreseeable future. It seems to me that QE is something that I've always known throughout my broadcasting career. I mean, I can't remember when it started, but it certainly came to the fore and became more important in 2008. 2009. It's almost as though it's there forever. Well, uh, it certainly seems to be, um, given that scope to lower interest rates is, has now essentially been used up, QE remains the sort of final lever that most central banks can continue to pull, and they're pulling it uh, aggressively. And, and certainly, you know, there's nothing on the sort of forecast horizon of most central banks to suggest that they're going to change. They're try- they've been trying to create or hit inflation targets for the last decade and, and longer and failed consistently. And so they just double down on on the loose policy prescription that uh, they're using to try and address that. The oases that I talked about in my introduction are there, though, and you say the following, the good news, however, is that there are still attractive yield premia to be earned across a range of assets and securities. Maybe you could describe them. Yeah, so what's interesting is although governments have pushed down or central banks have pushed down the yield on uh, cash rates and government bonds, um, the yield on riskier assets um, has, or re- the relative yield has remained re- uh, reasonably high. So the kind of pickup in yield that you can get by lending to a corporate rather than a government or to an emerging market sovereign rather than a government 
is actually above the sort of average level that we've seen over over the last 20 years. And in the case of equities, um, that's also true. Um, but actually, we've been in, in a high yielding environment really since the GFC. So if you go and look for yield uh, and you're prepared to take some risk, um, yields are available. And even in government bonds, because they're holding down the short end of most yield curves, at the longer end in some markets, uh, there are sort of at least reasonable yields to be earned if if you're careful about what you own. I mean, an example of that is something that I'm quite familiar with, and you will be as well. It's the the 10-year government bond in South Africa. It's currently yielding, I think, something like 9.2%. Only about 10 days ago, it was 9.7%. But anyway, it's 9.2% as we speak. The South African rand has strengthened from 1930 to 1650. And inflation in South Africa, the last CPI print, consumer price inflation, was 2.1%. I mean, people must lick their lips when they see that sort of thing. And that uh, plays into your uh, example of emerging market debt being attractive. Yeah, I mean, that, that's definitely the case. I mean, I, I think the, the point, though, the sort of point that we then go on to make is that you're paid a risk premium because there is risk. And it's yes. about trying to assess, you know, where is it safe to harvest that risk premium? And where is essentially, um, it, is it still dangerous? And we think you need to do that at a security level. So it's not really, you know, if you look at asset classes, um, on average, they look fine, but the average hides the good and the bad. And and so we think you actually need to look at individual corporate bonds, individual emerging market uh, sovereign and corporate bonds, individual equities, and so on, and essentially try and find um, those assets where the yield is supported by um, resilient cash flow generation on 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 the underlying assets or the underlying economy um, that can service that debt and make sure that you actually receive the income you're expecting and in times of crisis is going to be um, still there when you need it. It's going to be resilient or sustainable. So it's about trying to essentially rather than just go for high yield or high yielding assets, it's to go for the yields that are high to moderately high, but where um, those yields are backed up by um, strong cash flow generation. Are the savvy corporates and the treasury departments of those corporates taking advantage of the current situation? In other words, saying, right, people want yield, so therefore let's get out there into the market and either restructure our debt or uh, issue new debt. What are they doing? Well, I do think there's an element where companies are are trying to make sure that they manage their debt profile appropriately. And, And this is an opportunity, I think, to uh, refinance potentially uh, at attractive levels. I mean, the danger is, you know, you, you want to avoid, though, taking on too much leverage, even if your expectation is yields are going to remain relatively low for some period of time. So particularly if, if you're in an economic environment where for a lot of businesses, uh, their ability to earn uh, revenues, earn cash um, is potentially more more uncertain. So, you know, leverage is dangerous either because you take on too much debt or um, the cash flows that you generate to to service that debt come under pressure, and you can be hit from either side. Mm. So I think it is about trying to find businesses that are resilient and durable, and also haven't extended themselves too high, but are basically being asked to pay a reasonable or a decent risk premium by the market because there's uncertainty out there. Okay, you say it right at the end. So for us, the key to thriving in this income desert is to build a diversified portfolio. But have you got a sort of a pecking order of uh, opportunities? And if so, what is that pecking order? Well, it is very much um, about looking at things on a security by security basis. But you can then obviously see potentially 
patterns within that. So at the moment, for example, we can find quite a few stocks in, in, in equities in things like healthcare and staples where the yields are decent, but there's earnings growth underpinning the income. That earnings growth uh, is um, relatively uh, sustainable. Um, and they haven't leveraged the balance sheet significantly to try and sort of keep their valuation, sorry, to keep their dividends up, and and they're, they're priced at reasonable valuations. So you've got the right combination of um, sustainable income generation, underpinned by solid cash flow growth, um, but not priced uh, unattractively. Whereas a lot of people who invest for income chase after the highest yielding stocks in areas like utilities or banks where potentially either regulatory pressure or, you know, the fact they've just leveraged themselves up to try and keep uh, paying dividends even when times are tough means that those dividends are much shakier and much more um, at risk of of being cut if they haven't already been cut. Um, And then on the fixed income side, you know, we think that there are some very interesting opportunities within uh, investment grade. We saw investment grade disproportionately hit um, during the COVID crisis as people you know, worried about which businesses would remain healthy and also as people sort of scrambled for liquidity. And so you've got um, solid businesses where um, their ability to service their debt is very strong and they're offering a, a decent yield premium. And in particular, some of those across the sort of emerging market corporate world. So companies that are of similar or better quality to the equivalent companies in developed markets, but because they're emerging market uh, labelled, they carry a, a bit more of a risk premium. But those businesses typically came into the crisis relatively well positioned in terms of the health of their balance sheets, um, and are also probably more used to dealing with crises given given their their history. So those kind of things we're finding interesting. Um, whereas actually, in in some of the parts of high high yielding market, traditional high yielding market. Um, we think that yields have come into a point where maybe it's a lot of that value, the risk reward is less compelling. Do you find, just a fun question, do you find, as the head of multi-asset income at 91, that this is a more interesting time than just the normal free-for-all where every man and his dog can make money? Do you find that during these difficult times when it comes to the income desert that you describe, that you can actually come to the fore because of your philosophy at 91? Uh, absolutely. So this is less about uh, asset allocation and sort of top-down uh, um, allocations in markets are much more about security selection, and that's where we think we have our edge. Uh, and it, it's also, you know, <laughs> there's lots going on. We've had had decent periods of growth, and we've had crises, and, and they seem to be more common, partly probably because central banks are running this sort of um, extreme policy all the time, and that creates bubbles and it creates crashes and that creates opportunity. John, thank you so much for your time. That's John Stockford, Head of Multi-Asset Income at 91 in London.